morning, everybody. You are listening to Listen Local, and I'm your host, Julian Mark. And uh, we have an interesting show here today. It's not uh, the usual with uh, our managing editor, Joe Eskenazi, but we have something just as enticing. Um, we are here with uh, Jennifer Cortez, um, a uh, reporter with Mission Local, and um, she broke a couple of big stories um, this week, or this week and last week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this week and last week pertaining to a, a very interesting um, school uh, on Valencia Street, Valencia and 24th, called uh, Buena Vista Horace Mann. And um, this school, uh, it kind of sits, um, you know, a bit at the crossroads, um, you know, between sort of the old and the new mission. Um, you know, you, it, it sits on Valencia Street. It has, you know, I guess a diverse population. Jennifer, can you tell us a little bit about what... Uh, you know, Buena Vista Horace Man. you know, uh, just, you know, the demographics of the school, um, you know, what, yeah, exactly. What kind of people go there? Sure. Um, well, it's a K through eight school, so uh-huh. it's a very diverse student body. Uh-huh. Um, but according to the demographics right now, I think it's, if I recall correctly, about 80% are Latinos. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. And so are they, you know, from the neighborhood or do they come from all over the city or... Um, I would assume that a lot of them are close by because of the mm-hmm. parents I've spoken to who live pretty close to the neighborhood, but um, that would be a good question. I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so could you let us know, um, I guess, you know, what, uh, so the the first, or let's just, let's start with the most recent one. Um, it got quite a bit of attention. Um, the facilities there are just, you know, to the point uh, well, they're just bad, essentially. And could you just tell us, you know, what, um, you know, what's going on there? What what the facilities look like? Sure. Well, I first heard about the conditions back in February attending a school board meeting. And so one of the parents that I quoted at the beginning who has filed the Williams complaint was the one I had heard, but I didn't follow up with it necessarily at that time. What is a, what is a Williams complaint? Uh, it's a formal complaint mm-hmm. where anyone can uh, basically file a complaint to the school district regarding um, lack of resources at the school. So mm-hmm. to my knowledge, it was usually just textbooks and right. I didn't know it included facilities. So um, it's basically a lack of resources for the students and the conditions. So she had, um, I suppose, had contacted the school board, um, I think, back in February, didn't hear anything. And then she went to the school board meeting a week later and still didn't hear anything. And so she's been working, like her and PTA and several parents have been working towards trying to get attention to the school district. And I, I mean, why has it come to this? I mean, what, what was there? What had they noticed? And, you know, for how long had they noticed it? I mean, I've heard parents say that they've been talking to, trying to do something for about two years. Mm-hmm. You've had district officials coming to the school, but mm-hmm. um, don't see anything happening as a result of it. Um, but I mean, I think that teachers should be concentrating more about teaching their students. So when right. you're having to deal with the facilities and the conditions of your school, it is distracting. So what, but what is it about the facilities? I mean, what, you know, what kind of drove them, drove them to this point? Um, I think it's seeing how their children are affected. Um, but what, you know, like, I guess what, you know, what was actually wrong? Oh, the actual conditions. Yeah. So, um, at least to what I saw, um, there were several rat access holes in classrooms. Um, ceilings were falling off, causing teachers to, at least a specific teacher that I spoke to, having to leave the classroom for a few days and finding other classrooms to teach in. Um, there are some radiators, um, in the cafeteria that are covered by a metal cover, but there are some sharp edges. So they're worried that the kindergartners and the first graders, because they're so energetic, um, might hit each other or hit their heads by the sharp corners. 
Um, the bathrooms have lack of soap and toilet paper. And I've heard some students myself say that they've asked their parents for toilet paper to bring to school. Wow. And so this is, uh, I mean, that's clearly uh, Mm -hmm. kind of alarming. And so how long, how, how long had this been been, uh, going on for? Um, People have said that it's happened for quite some time, but they have noticed that specifically this year is when it got worse. Wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you, I mean, did they have any idea why or... Um, they don't. They, I think they're pointing towards maybe not enough resources or maybe custodians coming in or maybe it's not, they don't have enough supervisors coming in to facilitate this. So it's kind of, a, I guess, a lack of transparency about what is needed at the school and how can we get them the resources they need immediately. Right. Um, so you went, you know, you went with these parents to kind of mm-hmm. check things out, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, so how did, you know, what was it, what was it like? I mean, did you, you personally, were you, in uh, your former teacher, right? Yes. Yeah, where did you teach? I taught at the, like, into high school in the Coachella Valley. And so you kind of understand uh, all of the sort of considerations that educators have to make and... Uh, you know, uh, you know, I guess how were you as a former teacher, you know, what did what did you see, you know, when you were going through and, you know, I, I understand that, uh, you know, uh, elementary and middle school parents can be difficult. They um, uh, and, you know, they you know, they can complain a lot. But when you were, you know, when you walked through um, the school, uh, you know, were, the, you know, these conditions, you know, to your standard, you I know, mean, what was what? They were not. I would definitely be, I empathize with them. I would have been frustrated equally Mm -hmm. as a teacher as well, Um, especially if you're putting in work orders over and over and you don't really hear the results of what's happening. Um, But these parents, when I met them, I think they were just happy to share their story Um, and were just super passionate. I mean, these are parents who are putting in the work themselves and bringing whatever they can. I mean, some of the doors to the hallways weren't working, so they have fixed it. And so they're doing their best to do what they can for their children. They love the school. They love the administration. They love the teachers. Um, but they want to make sure that it's the best as it possibly can be. So, yes, they had their concerns, but they were very positive still that something will result of this. Uh, did you have a sense of how the teachers felt about it? Or did you get a sense of, of, of yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, for them, it was just kind of normal, I think. Just oh, walking through the hallways. They're like, yeah, look, there's the access hole. There are the rat droppings over there. Look, there are ceilings. And they kind of laugh it off, but... I know that they're frustrated. Um, it's kind of like their new normal, which is unfortunate. And yeah. so hopefully that the tension that the story has received will hopefully help them get their classrooms back to the conditions that they should be. So, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, to be fair, like what was what was the school district's response to this? And, you know, do they have do they have the resources? Um, I'm not sure. I think there is a bond from like 2016 that has so far allocated um, some of the funds to renovate schools in, uh, in the school district. But I know that Buena Vista is right now not currently one of the schools that are funded. Mm. So we have filed a public records request to find out about the other schools in the mission as well. Oh, but, interesting. Um, oh, great. Hoping to find out soon. And and what I mean, what what did the school district say about this? Um, I think they said that that they have renovated or at least repaired the school back in 2003. Um, 2003. I think that was the last time they had um, received funds for specifically for wow. the school. Um, but that they do have intent to fix at least that teacher that I quoted in the story, her floors that were peeling off. Um, so they do have that intent to fix it over the summer. But I do know that some of the concerns from parents and teachers are because summer school is happening um, and, te- and, cl- and students will be in the right. classroom, will it right. actually get fixed? 
right? And 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 so where do we? I mean, where do we go from here? Is I mean, do you, does does the school district? Um, I mean, do they begin to start helping the school? I mean, and where does the you know if if the money doesn't go to the facilities, where does where does the money go? Money from the school district. Well, yeah, school yeah. districts. Most of the money usually goes towards paying teacher salaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm not really sure how they exactly allocate like their budget for facilities. Right. But I do know at least I received word from a parent just yesterday that she intends an, on speaking at a meeting later this month. Um, hopefully bringing some parents and readdressing this issue. And I mean, there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes on in school districts, and I don't think it's as easy as just like, here, let's allocate money. There's a lot of questions that need to be asked. So hopefully they are able to take a better look at what needs to be done and looking at the facilities at Buena Vista and actually hopefully doing something immediate. One thing I forgot to ask, and you Mm -hmm. kind of touched on this earlier, was um, you, uh, you know, you've been a teacher, and I I just wonder, you know, what, how, to what extent... uh, sort of the deficiencies of, of facilities like this affect, uh, you know, the learning of, of students? Um, well, I mean, in this specific example, it's students really need a lot of consistency. So if you're being taken out of the classroom when your ceiling is falling apart, I mean, right. that affects the teacher's lesson plan. You have a lesson plan planned in your classroom and you don't have the resources anymore, then you have to change what you're doing. And teachers are very good at doing that on the fly, but it's definitely adds like the stress that you don't really need right um yeah it affects everyone it affects your students attitude too like I firmly believe that when you have a class or a school that's as perfect as it can be students have feel that respect and they respect the campus as well Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of what parents have reiterated too they think that I mean there was a lot of trash and of course students can pick it up but maybe if the school had a better facility they would feel that respect i mean i remember Mm. when i was a student teacher my resident teacher received like these brand new desks and i remember like the i remember the specific comment a student made when they received it they were like wow i feel like an actual student because Mm. they love the desk so these small things seem like they don't make a difference but they really do especially with the mentality of everyone there so i mean it it sort of begs a question here and i guess you know we don't really know quite yet but i mean is this an equity issue i mean there you said that the there is uh the student body is a majority latinx students what um I mean, is this, uh, do you think that, you know, schools in, in better areas are getting a little bit more attention? Well, I wouldn't want to assume, but I have received pictures from other schools and comments from parents mm-hmm. who believe that this might be an inequity issue, but I would have to look at the other schools as well to make that claim. I see. I mm-hmm. see. Um, well, so another thing uh, that's interesting about Buena Vista Horace Mann is that um, while, <clears throat> you know, all of these, and I think we can sort of uh, parse this out, um, while, all, while the school is having all of these um, facility issues, it's also doing something kind of, you know, quite progressive, mm-hmm. um, which is, um, which is what? Uh, they are hosting uh, homeless families and students throughout the school district in their gym. And how long have they been doing this for? They've been doing this since November of last year. And so, and what did you call it? The stayover program. And, and I mean, but you called it, is it, is it a homeless shelter? Is it a, I mean, what I exactly? an emergency shelter program. So it's uh-huh. kind of like in two parts. Right. Um, well, it has evolved into two parts. Um, the first is they talk to um, re- uh, social workers at the school and they, Dolores Street Community Services, who is the non, the service provider of the program. 
and um, they see what can we do to help you maybe avoid evictions or can we try to find you an apartment elsewhere or some short-term, right. long-term mm. housing. And then if they can do that, they can avoid going into the gym at Buena Vista Horace Man. Right. But if they can't in the meantime, they do use those resources. So, for, so from the beginning, I mean, but this started out as as uh, as a as a place for um, um, students at Buena Vista mm-hmm. Horace Man to um, to go, uh, and I guess because the school was uh, experiencing a high level of of, of homeless students, is they that had correct? Identified, or? I think at the time maybe forty or so st- uh, families, uh-huh, and uh-huh. then when it started, I think it was like twenty, I believe. Okay, and so they were, I think, able to through the first part of the program, find them other resources. So I think by February, if I recall, only like seven families have actually used the program. And so then it evolved. And yeah. and so this, but this was, I mean, this received, you know, a bit of, of criticism, right? I mean, they were, how much were they putting into this? Um... I think it, the contract was over $500,000 from wow. the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. And so it was, you know, it was a chronicle report. It was some supervisors who said, well, you know, $500,000 is probably a bit wasteful if we're going to, you know, do it, uh, you know, use it on only, you know, if only seven families from the school are going to stay there. I mean, and, and what, I mean, what, uh, what was the response to that? Um, well, I mean, they had a point, but also because of the way that the program had evolved, mm-hmm. they were able to use like the first part of the program to place families elsewhere. And so they wouldn't have to stay in the gym. Right. Um, so as a result, there was a lot of criticism to when they decided to open up the entire program to families throughout the school district. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was mostly, I think, from my previous reporting was because of the facilities at Buena Vista. So it kind of correlated. People were upset that um, we were going to bring in more families to the school when the, the conditions were not. Um, the highest quality at the school. Mm-hmm. So while the funding is not the same, um, I understand like parents' concerns over that. Um, but it seems to be quite successful so far. I think last week um, it was at capacity, I think, the shelter program. So it's being used pretty adequately, I think. And I'm sorry, how much did you say it's it's being funded with now? Uh, same contract. So oh, same contract. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's definitely serving, you know, more families. Yes, and... and it will continue to do so, I think, at least until November, where they'll re-evaluate the program. Now, but can you, you know, sort of break down for me what what exactly the controversy was with this homeless shelter? I mean, why why wasn't it, you know, totally accepted at first? Why, you know, and I guess down the road, you know, what why does it remain something that is, you know, not sort of universally accepted? Um, at least from parents who felt that maybe the school wasn't communicating what was the goal, transparency. Mm. Um, but even like the principal and social worker at the school right now admitted that if they could do this over, like you could never have too many parent meetings and involving the community more. It's mm. like a learning process. I mean, right, it's right. important to note that it is a pilot program, so mm. it's a bold risk either way and there will be mistakes along the way. Um, but the controversy also happened uh, because parents were concerned, like, who are we bringing in? Right. Um, but I think that they shouldn't be too worried. I mean, Dolores Street Community Services, like, really looks into these parents. It's not just random people they're letting into the gym. Right, right. Their students and their immediate family members. Um, and then the controversy also came with the community. The school community had been promised that it had only been for schools or for students at that pick. At school right and uh, so why why would they be concerned about having other families um at 
you know, at the school. What's the big deal? I mean, I would assume it's because it's a tight-knit community, so you know the people who are going to the gym, so right, you're letting right, these strangers right. into your own students' school. Right, right, um, right. So there are concerns over that, but um, like I said, Dolores Street Community Services seems to be incredibly doing incredibly well at managing the whole program. And do you have a sense of, like, how, you know, what it's like, um, how it actually works? I mean, are these you know, these families, are, do they go out during the day? Do they stay just during the night? You know, is there much interaction between the student body and, and the folks who are staying at the in the gym? I don't think so. Um, huh. It opens in the evening, so that's when I they see. start coming in, and I they see. leave before school starts. Mm-hmm. So they're able to have dinner there, um, breakfast on the go, and um, that's what Dolores Street Community Services is working on now that has evolved, making sure that they have breakfast on the go so that they can make it to the bus and go to the school that they're going to. I believe they're now providing tokens for the families as well. Um, since they no longer are just at Buena Vista, and you know, um, you know, you have to you have to wonder it. I think it's you know kind of an easy instinct. There's uh, there are these um, uh, facilities that um, you know are crumbling. Um, you know, it's things are not you know things are not good. That the students who are already there are are not you know being served correctly. Um, and so, and, and yet you have, you know, this very expensive um, uh, program going on in the gym. Uh, you know, it's an easy reaction to say, well, why don't they, well, you know, why are they leaving the students behind? What, what is, what is your answer to that? I mean, what are, what, what is the school district's answer to that? Well, I think it is important to also like realize that the budget does not go <laughs> to different budgets. Right, right, right. So again, like the budget for the uh, overnight shelter program comes from the Department of Homeless and Housing or Supportive mm. Housing, mm-hmm. whereas like the actual like facilities goes through the district. So I think they have to possibly do like a lot more checks. It's not as easy. Um, I mean, there's, I don't know, it's frustrating, definitely, but I don't know. I don't really understand how they allocate the budget at the school district or, right. I mean, I they have to be certain about the work orders are going through. I, they have, they also, when they, the work orders come through the school, there are different priorities. So um, maybe this wasn't a priority at the time because they do serve 120 schools. So, I mean, I'm sure it must, it's it's comment, I think, on the public infrastructure of like the schools, especially with the school district that serves so many. So how can they possibly facilitate this process to make it easier for schools to receive the care that they need immediately? Um, so is, but do you feel that there is that, 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 uh, perception among parents where they say, you know, is this is, uh, you know, what about, it's kind of like a, what about us type of, hmm. type of, uh, sentiment? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do know that a lot of them, especially because there are a lot of Spanish speaking families there feel like maybe they're not getting the attention that they're getting or they wish that they could take their students to another school, but they, you know, it's like right across the street. It's accessible. They love their teachers. They don't want to move their kids out of the school. So, um, again, the consistency is important. So I think that's why they're remaining. Um, but yeah, of course, they do feel like they're being left out. Um, well, uh, Jennifer, thank you. We're going to take a short break, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll be back. Thank you very much. You are listening to Listen Local.
Um, so Jennifer and I were having a, a good conversation um, while you were listening to that uh, great Andre Previn uh, um, uh, ballad. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, um, so, you know, kind of back to the facilities of Buena Vista Horseman, you know, us in the news, we, we tend to, you know, want to, um, you know, have good guys and bad guys. You know, we want to say, you know, oh, a, a homeless shelter is 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 moving in and stay, you know, instead of saying it's a homeless shelter for families, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, it's there's a lot of sort of black and whites um, when we're creating narratives. But, you know, you were saying that, you know, in terms of the facilities at Buena Vista Horace Man, um, you know, there, you know, who I guess we ha- we have to ask the question, who who is to blame here? You know, where whose responsibility is it? And and why is that not an easy thing to find out? Mm-hmm. So I was telling Julian earlier that I'd been reading some of the feedback from the article uh-huh. and um, the certain people that people are quick to assign blame to this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not that easy because in education, things are not very crystal clear. I mean, there's so much involved, especially when you have students involved into the schools. So, I mean, everyone wants their, their students to have a world-class institution, but it's not easy to assign that blame. Every, if, I think as long as we can support our teachers, the administrators will support the teachers. Um, but yeah, it's not that easy. Education is not black and white. Um, it's easy to want to assign an antagonist in the story. Um, I know that education reporting is not incredibly sexy, as they would say, <laughs> but um, I think it's just how can we, as a, because Buena Vista especially is a community school, yeah. um, that's kind of like how they run. How can we as a community, especially in the mission, support these, not just Buena Vista, but other schools on the mission and be more involved? Um, I think that's important to say because they are public schools and as locals, we should care about the facilities just as much as the teachers and the students and this district do too. But why haven't, I mean, why, why hasn't the money gone there? You know, mm-hmm. who, and whose, you know, whose hand is on that button? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose it would be the facilities committee, um, uh-huh. the school district. Right. And they do have a budget. Um, I do know that there are, I think one or two mission schools that are listed as schools that are currently being funded by, I think one of the bonds from 2016, if I'm speaking correctly. Okay. Um, and I do know that Buena Vista is on the list as not being unfunded at the moment. So hopefully that changes. Um, I know that the district is also working on renovating other schools within San Francisco. Right. Um, I just am not too familiar on where those schools are yet, as in like the, the layout of San Francisco. But hopefully they start paying attention more to schools and, and the mission, really. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> I do wonder, you know, if that means that if these other, you know, facilities are, you know, getting upgraded, whether or not it's just old schools in general in San Francisco mm-hmm. are just having a lot of maintenance issues. Mm-hmm. My question also is if it would be almost easier to just like build a new building than, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see like what the costs are for these renovations right. versus right. what it would cost to build a new school. Right. I mean, <clears throat> that would, I mean, that would take, I mean, mm-hmm. that is, that is a good question. It, it does, uh, construction costs are very high in, uh, mm-hmm. in San Francisco right now or in just the Bay Area mm-hmm. at large right now. So that, you know, building more, where do you, I guess, you know, where would you put students in, you know, in, in the event of that? Exactly. Well, 
I f- well, what I'm seeing from like the classrooms at Buena uh-huh. Vista is like just patch up certain things as they go. Right. Um, so instead of fixing the entire problem, they just fix like aspects oh, of the interesting. issue. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So it's still there, but it's just kind of spreading. So huh. because it is both a middle school and an elementary school, I'm wondering if maybe they should take the time this summer really to try. Well, I don't know when summer school ends, but maybe in the late summer, trying to really just fix on parts of it throughout the years instead of having to do it all at once. Yeah, that uh, that would be a good idea. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering, um, you know, you were a teacher in the Coachella Valley, and you know, I'm wondering, uh, this is happening in San Francisco, a place with you know a very, um, I mean, it does have a large budget. Um, mm-hmm. I guess well, the city budget is different from the from the, uh, the from the school budget, but it still mm-hmm. is, you know, a relatively. I mean, it is the it's the you know one of the largest cities in in uh, in the state. I'm wondering, you know, if. Um, if other schools, you know, if you think other schools around the state are kind of, you know, suffering from the same way, and if the state is out, al- if the state itself is allocating enough money to to take care of schools, um, in in the yeah, in throughout California, that's a good question. I mean, from my experience, I mean, there were definitely frustrations in my classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are a smaller district in comparison. Mm-hmm. I think about LA Unified as well, <clears throat> who serve a huge student body too. Um, but I'm also thinking about like in California. I think that. From my experience, a lot of our classrooms are overcrowded, so mm-hmm. they see a lot of cl- students going in and out. So I'm sure the facilities are not being, um, you know, renovated to that extent. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that in addition to the facilities, we have to look at um, how many students we have going to a school, right. um, how many students we have in the classroom, overcrowding. Um, and that also affects, you know, as teacher um, with your lesson planning, with wanting your students to collaborate, but maybe you don't have the conditions in your classroom to be able to do so. So I think it all kind of correlates to, are we just funding schools enough? And I think we know the answer is no. The answer is no. Yeah, we, we probably need to, to, to fund more schools. Do you do you have a sense of what the what the budget is um, uh, in California for um <laughs> no, I sorry. That, um, well, let's focus on one thing at a time, I guess. Well, Jennifer, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to 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 come all the way uh, over here uh, so early. Um, we do have a lot of work to do at Mission Local, but we do appreciate uh, you joining us uh, again. Um, you know, my name is Julian Mark. I'm uh, the host, and uh, I'm here with uh, Jennifer Cortez. Thank you for coming. Thanks, Julian.